I didn't think he did a good enough job introducing me, so I threw my water bottle in his prayer. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Good morning. I shout that one more time. It's my first time up on the big stage, so I need some energy from you all. So good morning. morning. Much better, much better. All right. So I have the pleasure of of talking about this this path to peace and joining Pastor Brian in the first week and and Lane the second week on this journey that we are taking to a path of peace. So let's look at the verse that, uh, that we've been going over. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Now, let me take a quick poll real quick. Who in here would be interested to have this type of peace? Who in here that would say, no matter what situation that I could possibly go through, I will have a peace that transcends all understanding? Who would be interested in that? I think we can all collectively agree that this is something that would be interesting, correct? Now, I have a very tall order on my table today. I've been struggling with this for a couple of weeks now because it's my job to come in here and tell you all how to get this peace, and I currently don't experience this peace. So that's very difficult to do is, I, I mean, I've gotten good at it as a parent because I tell my kids do as I say, not as I do. So I guess I'll preach the same way is this is something that I don't have figured out, but it's something that I want. So I've, as I've spent the last couple weeks, uh, I've had to look at my own personal life and try to figure out what is stopping me from having this peace that transcends all understanding. So that can give me a game plan on what I'm doing wrong and what I need to do to fix it so I can get this right. Because the more I think about this, it hits me hard. I am a Christian. And if I don't have a peace that passes all understanding, then I must be doing something wrong, right? Because this is a gift that has already been given to us by God. So if we don't have it as a Christian, that means we're doing something wrong that we need to fix to get this. So I've made a sermon for myself. I'm going to preach to myself this morning because I'm going to tell you where I need to work on to get to this peace that passes all understanding. And if anybody else can benefit from this, so be it. But this is mostly for me and and Laura. So I picked on Jason first service. He wasn't here this morning. So so. (laughs) all right. So, but before I do that, because as I sit here and try to prepare for something that I'm inadequate at doing, I felt like Satan was attacking me that I was on an island by myself. Because that's what Satan does, right? He makes us feel like we're the only one going through it. We're different than everybody else. And if he can isolate us, that's when he can do the most work in us, right? So let me share some statistics with you all. Yes, I actually did some research for this. If you know me, that's probably pretty impressive. So... Anxiety, General, generalized anxiety disorder affects 6.8 million adults. Panic disorders affects another 6 million adults. Social anxiety disorder affects 15 million adults. Depression in the United States affects over 18 million people. It is the leading cause of disability for ages 15 to 44. It is the primary reason why someone dies of suicide every 12 minutes. 
depression in the workplace causes 490 million disability days from work each year in the U.S., accounts for 23 billion in lost work days each year, takes an economic toll for over $100 billion each year from U.S. businesses. That's just in the U.S., Look at it on a global scale. Depression internationally affects over 300 million people worldwide, regardless of culture, age, gender, race, religion, or economic status. Listen to this. It is one of the most debilitating conditions on the world, with severe depression rated in the same disability category as terminal stage cancer. It is the leading cause of disability worldwide and is a major contributor to the overall global burden on disease. Folks, we have an issue. I'm not alone. Not having this peace that passes all understanding. This is an issue globally because this is where Satan likes to get in and do the most of his work. So, as I go in and look at myself and what I need to do to make sure I have a peace that passes all understanding. It was very clear to me one of the first things I had to do is recognize where my joy comes from. Because I firmly believe that the, that the devil has a legion of armies that he is out to steal joy from both Christians and non-Christians. If he can take our joy He can make sure we don't have a peace that passes all understanding. Because without joy, you cannot have a peace that passes all understanding. Agree? So he is out there actively trying to pursue and steal our joy. And what I have to do, my human nature in the society that I grew up in, in the selfish entitled, that's my normal reaction, I have tied my joy to my happiness. And I, if I'm really gonna get this, I have to understand the difference between joy and happiness. Because I have to understand that my joy comes in the Lord. But I want my joy to come in my happiness, right? Because if things are going good and life's great, I'm happy, which makes me joyful, right? That's not how I, how I live is, it, that's exactly how I live. And if my current situation makes me unhappy or someone cuts me off or my kids don't do what I tell them to do or my wife's nagging me to do the dishes or take out the trash after a long day, that's, that, that makes me unhappy, which makes me not very joyful. I tie my joy up to my happiness. I have to understand what joy is. My joy comes in the Lord. My joy has to do with what Christ did for me to save me. And my relationship with him is my joy. So it doesn't matter what my circumstance is, that will always be constant and that will always be there and my joy will be in the Lord. It has nothing to do with my current situation. I have to understand that. The next thing I have to understand is I have to control what I have control over when it comes to joy. Now, I'm not naive. I do understand. The human mind is a very complex thing that I would not even begin to tell you that I understand. So there are some aspects that are uncontrollable to us, right? 
So there might be some things that need to be medicated, attending physicians help out with. There is a chemical element that I'm not talking about here because that's something that we don't have any control over, right? But there's a controllable aspect to this that we are not focused on currently. My, what I mean by that is, is, again, I tie my joy up to my happiness. That's something I have control over. If I allow someone else cutting me off in traffic affect my joy, that's on me. If I allow somebody else affect my joy, that's on me. If I'm constantly not being intentional, making sure my relationship with God is where it needs to be so I don't have to rely on my situation, that's on me. And those are intentional decisions that I have to make on a daily basis to make sure I'm connected with him. Otherwise, I'm gonna revert to my situations to make me happy. So number one, I've got five steps. Number one is my joy comes from the Lord. Number two, know who I am in Christ. We have to know who we are in Christ. If we don't know who we are in Christ, then we will never have a peace that passes all understanding. Because Satan is actively out there. And we'll, you know in 1 Peter 5, 8 where it talks about that uh, be alert and sober-minded because your enemy the devil is prowling like a lion looking for people to devour. He knows where your weaknesses are, right? And he knows that if he can get us to not think about who we are in God and think about who we are on our own, he can get to us. Because if we really think about who we are without God, it's very sobering because we are nothing. We are nothing. We are not good enough. We're sinners. We're unworthy, unjust. We are absolutely nothing. And if Satan can keep us and our attention focused on who we are without God, can you see how 300 million people suffer from depression? Those statistics that I read that are unbelievable, right? It starts to make a little bit more sense when we think about who we are without God because we're nothing. But once we accept Christ into our life. When you believe, when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, we are saved. And when we become saved, we are not that same person. We are transformed. We are a brand new person. And who I am in God, I'm a child of the one true king. I'm gonna say that again. Because we hear this a lot, but we really don't true, truly understand the meaning. I am a child of the one true king. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God, Romans 8, 14. So you are no longer a slave to sin, but God's child. And since you are his child, God made you also his heir, Galatians 4, 7. The same Spirit that rose Jesus from the grave is inside of us. That's who we are in Jesus. So when we focus on that we can start to begin to see a pathway to peace that passes all understanding. Because when I'm in Christ, I am so much more than I am without him. Who else am I in Christ? I'm forgiven. This one's passionate for me because, I mean, and I dealt with it the past two weeks as I was preparing for this sermon. I mean, Satan attacked me on, I'm not good enough to stand in front of you all to preach on the peace that passes understanding when I don't have it. The things that I've done in my past don't give me the ability to stand in front of you all and talk are the lies that Satan told me. But you know what I am in Christ? I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. And 
This is where it hit me this week. I feel like God put this intentional thought on me. So I'm gonna talk to me. The God who knows everything. He's been around since the beginning of time and will be around for infinity and he knows everything that has happened is happening now and will ever happen. He knows the hairs on your head. He is almighty, all powerful. We will never truly understand or grasp the power and the glory of our heavenly father. And that same power, that same father sent his son to die on the cross for Phil Horn, for Phil Horn's sin. What possible sense does it make that I allow Satan to use the things I've done in my past to steal my joy when that was the reason that Christ died? I challenge you to take that same mentality. Don't allow Satan to use your past to steal the joy from the debt that's already been paid. If we confess with If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgression from us. We can release that. We are not bound by it anymore. It's already, that debt has already been paid. So number one, my joy comes from the Lord. Number two, know who we are in Christ. And number three, we have to have a strong faith and trust in our Father. I feel like we have, we as a society don't understand the word faith. We think that if we know in our mind that God is God and he sent his son Jesus to die for my sin, then that in of itself makes me saved and I'm a Christian, right? Is that how it works? It's more than that, right? It's more than a belief. The Bible says even the demons knew that. Knowing it means nothing. Faith is an action. Faith, if you, we, we talked about what it takes to be saved is Romans, in Romans where it talks about if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. When you have that, when you are truly saved, you live differently than before you were saved. Right? I feel like we have a disbelief that as long as I know I can continue to live the same way, I can still continue to be a part of the world and not understand what this thing of faith is called. You want to know if someone truly has faith? Look at them at their worst moments. That's where our faith is tested. You know where it says in James? Let me find it. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kind because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, right? I mean, if you have faith when no faith is needed, do you really have faith? If you're thankful when everything is going good, are you truly thankful? This, I mean, you know when Jesus said in the Bible, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? I mean, it works the same way with faith. When When you're going through a situation that you truly cannot get through it without the help of God, that takes faith. But what we end up doing when we go through those situations, we let those situations steal our joy from us. We let those situations lead us to a place where we don't have peace. 
we actually do the opposite of what we should do in those situations. Faith. I, I use this example in first service. When I, I was talking to the students about faith one day, and I was on this very stage, and, and I asked the question, who in here would come up on the stage and fall off the stage and have faith that I would stand behind them and catch them? And obviously, every single middle schooler and high schooler raised their hand. So I called Charlie Singleton. Y'all know Charlie? Little, the little feller he is. So he came up on the stage, and he stood right here, and I went down there, and I said, all right, Charlie, go ahead and fall backwards. Now, he said he had faith that I would catch him. Do you think Charlie fell off the stage? No, he didn't. <laughs> so I, I think there needs to be an action put in our lives of our faith. Anybody can say that they believe in God. We are called to act differently with our faith. In Proverbs, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. That's faith. That's faith. That's knowing my joy, where my joy comes from. And no matter what situation I'm a part of, no matter what situation's happening, it doesn't matter because my God's got me. The peace that passes understanding is a strong, resolute faith and confidence that no matter what circumstance you encounter, God is faithful. God is good. God will keep you. God will provide for you. God will bless you. It is a faith that looks past the circumstance into a God that works all things out for the good of his glory. That's faith. If we don't have that faith, we will not have that peace. We have to have the faith that will lead us to the peace. Number four, recognize your triggers. We all have different triggers. We all have different things that steal our joy from us. We all have different things that uh, steal our peace. And I believe that we need to be intentional about recognizing what those are. Because if I'm not intentionally looking at my life, finding the areas where God is, where, where Satan is, is trying to trigger me to not be joyful, then I'm not doing it right. I'm setting myself up for failure. Because if we don't recognize our triggers, I promise you there's a Satan that is actively out there prowling like a lion looking to devour you. If you don't know who you, what your triggers are, I promise you Satan does, and that's where he's gonna attack you the most. So even if we know what our triggers are, this is still gonna be a hard battle to fight. But if we don't even know what our tr triggers are or recognize them and put intentionality into those triggers, we have no hope to, to overcome this. I mean, my triggers, let's talk about my, uh, well, I don't wanna talk about my triggers, let's talk about your triggers. Um, I don't know how it works in your house. This is not how it works in my house at all. Again, it does, this is not the way in my house. In, my ha uh, in your house probably, but not mine. But I have heard that sometimes spouses can be one of the biggest triggers Satan uses to steal your joy. Again, not me. I don't know about you sinners. This does not happen in my house. But think about that for a second. There is nobody on this planet that deserves my patience, that deserves my joy more than my wife. 
yet I share the least amount of patience with her and the least amount of joy with her. There's nobody on this planet that deserves my joy and patience more than my kids, yet I show your kids more patience than I do my own. Why is that? I feel like God was telling me it's because I'm not intentional with those things. When I come to church and I'm dealing with your kids, I'm intentional about it. When I go home, I'm not intentional about it with my wife. I'm not even recognizing it as a deficiency, so I'm not putting the energy into it. So Satan knows that's somewhere where I'm, I'm susceptible, and that's where he attacks me. That's why we need to sit back and look at our lives and see where are we losing our joy? Where are we losing our patience? Where are we losing our peace? Because that will give us what we need to know that this is where Satan's gonna be attacking us and this is what I do, need to do to make sure I'm strong enough to sustain those attacks. Because if you don't know your triggers, Satan does, and it'll be pretty obvious when you start thinking about it. If we know our triggers, we know where to put our time, effort, and energy. Now, some other things, I mean, you got family, uh, work can be a huge trigger. Stress, um, finances can be a trigger. I mean, these are, the, these are the places that Satan will use to try to steal your joy. And that's where we need to be intentional with our time with God. So number one, my joy comes from the Lord. Number two, know who we are in Christ. Number three, a strong faith trust. Number four, recognize your trigger. And number five, just do it. I mean, I think this is brilliant. I actually, I should trademark this saying because it's, I mean, it makes so much sense. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. I mean, we as a society do this all the time with so many different areas. Who can I pick on here? Tony, you raised your hand. Let me ask you a question. If I told you that if you ate reasonable portion, five meals a day, and exercised every single day, a year from now, you would feel better than you feel right now. Would you agree with that statement? Raise your hand if you'd agree with that statement. All right, raise your hand if you already knew that before I made that statement. Raise your hand if you're currently practicing it. <laughs> Can we give the one guy a hand? <laughs> because, I mean, this is, when I got through this sermon, I was thinking, I, I mean, I'm not coming here teaching you things you don't already know. We already know this stuff. The, it's an easy premise. Just like diet and exercise, we know it, but there's a gap between knowing and doing it. Be anxious about nothing, but in everything in prayer and petition, present your request to God with thankfulness, and you'll get a peace that passes all understanding. Easy in theory, tough in application. Just do it. Just do it. Let me give you some more statistics. A recent study shows that 18% of churchgoers, I'm not talking about the worldly, I'm talking about people just like us. 18% of churchgoers rarely or never read the Bible. 25% 
admit to reading it a few times a week. 14% read it once a week. 22% read it once a month. Only 19% of churchgoers personally read the Bible every day. No wonder we don't have a peace that passes all understanding. If at first we don't have that connection with our Heavenly Father, none of this other stuff that we're going to talk about matters. The first step in all of this is an intentional relationship with God. And this is the one area you'll get attacked the most. The lies Satan tell us that hinder us from doing it are amazing. I remember when I didn't read the Bible, the reason I didn't read the Bible was because I honestly thought that I wouldn't be able to understand it. The Bible is too difficult to understand. That's a lie from Satan. I don't have time to do it. That's a lie from Satan. For some reason, the only thing that truly, truly matters in what we do every day is the thing that we don't do the most. What good is it is if you succeed at everything else, everything that this world has to offer, you succeed at it. What good is that if you lose your soul? Even the important things. Work is important. Being a good husband or a good wife is important. Being a good mother, being a good father is important. But what, what does it matter if you do that really, really good but you lose your soul? And yet, for some reason, we allow Satan to steal that from us. Without that, there is no path to peace. So, as I conclude, I want to speak to two groups of people in this room. The first group is the people that do not have a personal relationship with Jesus. If I stood in front of you and talked about this path of peace, I would be remiss if I didn't at least talk to you about having a relationship with Jesus because that's what we're here for, right? If when you go home tonight and lay your head on your pillow and not wake up the next morning, if you're not 100% sure, 1,000% sure where your soul is gonna be, spend eternity, that's the only thing that matters. Everything stops right here until that gets taken care of. I urge you, don't spend another day, another minute, another second with that uncertainty in your heart because that's a free gift that you can have right now. That uncertainty doesn't need to be there anymore. And if that's you, fix it. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again expecting a different result, right? If you have this path to peace figured out, if you are peaceful and have a peace that passes all understanding no matter the circumstance that you go through, if that's you, fantastic, keep doing it. But if it's not you, do something different. If you're not happy, if you know there's more to life than what you're currently experiencing, then do something about it because if you don't, it's only gonna get harder and it's only gonna get worse. The second group of people are the Christians. You know when you die, you're gonna go to heaven. Praise the Lord. But I also wanna challenge you. 
because there is a pathway to peace that we all need. And if you do know you're going to heaven, we need to focus our intention in taking as many people as we can with us. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave is the same power that lives inside you, the believer. So I will present the question to you, what have you done with that power? What have you done with that power this week? What have you done with that power this month, this year? If you can't answer that question, then you have a power inside of you for nothing. We are called as believers to know where our soul's gonna go and take as many people as we can with us. Our job as believers is to have that peace that passes all understanding. No matter what circumstance this world brings us, we still have that joy in the Lord. We've gotta share that joy with other people. God's very clear on this, that we are the salt of the earth. We are the light to the darkness. So if we're not using that power that's inside of us for God's glory, we're not doing it right. I feel like we've got a generation of selfish Christians. And I don't mean any disrespect by that. I'm talking to myself. Where my soul's good. When I die, I'm going to heaven. That's great. But I got a sister-in-law that I got to take with me. I got a friend at work that I got to take with me. God presents me opportunities every day in seeing people. Look at the statistics. One person in every 12 minutes committing suicide. So when you're out there and you're going to Walmart, the same lines that make you frustrated and steal your joy, those are the same places we need to spend time because we don't know what that person in front of us is going through. We've got to know what our roles as Christians are in this society. And that's to take that power and do something with it. So, as we transition to communion, uh, we have the cross up here and our prayer team will come up to the cross. If either one of those groups, you felt your heart being pulled, I challenge you to be bold and God will meet you where you are. Don't leave here the same way you came in this morning. Because what would be the point in that? Do something different. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.